You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. So good to be with y'all here today. Uh, You know, culture is one of those words that's kind of hard to wrap your arms around sometime. You, you know, you hear the word culture and really culture is, is simply a environment or an atmosphere, right? Anyone here, you, you can kind of pick up on the culture of a place, right? When you walk in or whether it be a business, whether it be a church, whether it be um, a venue, you can kind of pick up on the culture of what's going on. You know, out here in the lobby, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but behind our welcome table, we have like six what we consider to be kind of culture things that we're trying to help foster and create here at Pursuit Church. And one of those things is servanthood. That, that's one of the, the, the key words that's, that's on our culture board. I'm going to call it a culture board now. Because those are things that, you know, culture is something that you foster. It's an environment that you want to create. So that everyone coming in the door First of all, those of us that are called Pursuit Church Home, but even people coming in, we want them to see and experience those things, right? It's, it's what we're trying to create. And so one of those things that we want to really create here is a culture of service, of servanthood. Now, why? Why is servanthood important? Well, there's a lot of reasons I could give you today, but let me just give you three, and, and we're going to talk about this today. Number one, serving changes our perspective. Serving changes our perspective. It helps us think and to live unselfishly. That's one reason why we want to create a culture of service. Secondly, serving changes the perspective of others. They actually are able to see God through your service. So that's another reason Service changes the perspective of others. And lastly, service reminds us that we serve a Savior who serves us. Jesus said, I have come to serve, not to be served. And so when we serve, it's reminding us of our master, of our Savior, of the example that he set about what it looks like to serve. Let me ask you this. Do you have that friend that you know you can count on no matter what? Absolutely. Just through thick and thin, you know they're there. You pick them up or pick up the phone, call them at 2 o'clock in the morning, and they're going to answer, right? But I hope someone at least has one of those kind of friends. <laughs> May not have a lot, but you probably count on one hand the kind of, that kind of a friend, right? But the thing is, at, at the core of it, they actually have a servant's heart to serve you right? Think about the last time somebody served you. How did it make you feel? How did it feel when somebody went out of their way to serve you in some way with their time, maybe with their, with money, however they served you? How did it make you feel? You know, Martin Luther King Jr. said this, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Literally. Any one of you, me, anybody can be great because we have the ability to serve. 
In 1 Peter 4.10, it tells us that we're to use whatever gifts we have been given to serve others. That's the purpose of the gift. The purpose of the gift is to build the kingdom of God, not to build your own fame. Come on now. We've got a lot of, you know, YouTube, Instagrammers, whatever, trying to build their brand. Okay? Everybody know the term, build your brand. Well, there's one brand we ought to be building, and that's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Right? That's the reason you have gifts. That's the reason I have gifts. Any gifts we have is to be used for that purpose. Now, our scripture today that we're going to land on is, is our base to, to talk about what service really looks like is found in the book of Luke. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. So let me give you the background. This is a story of the Good Samaritan. Maybe anybody here heard this story before? You might have. We're, we're going to dissect it a little bit today. That We're going to get down into what a culture of service looks like through this story. So the background of this story is, is a Jewish law expert came to Jesus and wanted to know how he could receive eternal life. said, okay, what do I got to do? to get eternal life. And Jesus said, well, you, you know, right? I mean, you're, you're a lawyer, you're a Jewish law lawyer. You, you know what you're supposed to do, right? And so the guy said, yeah, he, he in the verses right before what we're going to read today, he said, yes, uh, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, soul, might, mind, and strength, and I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Jesus said, yeah, you, you got it right. But then the guy asked Jesus a question. He said, but who is my neighbor? Like many lawyers, I like to play with the words, right? And kind of bend them to mean what they want them to mean or what they don't want them to mean in this case. So Jesus recognized this, of course, and he knew this, this uh, law expert was was trying to trap him, was trying to trick him into giving some answer that would let him off the hook, basically. Like, well, who is my neighbor? Yeah, I know I'm supposed to love God. That's that's easy. I get that. But who is my neighbor? And so as Jesus answered his question, he was answering it with this in mind, knowing what this guy's motives were. This is what Jesus said, starting in verse 30. Of Luke chapter 10. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he, then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Jesus asked. He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, 
you go and now do likewise. You see, the story starts out here with just a regular guy making a very treacherous journey. See, this, this road between Jerusalem and Jericho was not the easiest road to travel. It was very narrow, very dangerous. And we don't know who the man, the injured man was. Jesus didn't tell us. We don't know if he was a Jew. We don't know if he was a Gentile. I suppose if it really mattered, Jesus would have mentioned it. But it could have been anybody, okay? And this road between Jerusalem and Jericho was very treacherous because it was very narrow. You can only get by literally on this windy little road. So it wasn't like a four-lane highway, okay? We're talking like, (laughs) you ever been on those mountain pass roads that only one car can pass at a time? That's the kind of road we're talking about that existed between Jerusalem and Jericho. And so here's this man traveling along the road, and he's assaulted. He's beaten up, he's robbed, and he's literally left for dead. And so what happens? The the Jewish priest comes by, kind of waves at him on the, (laughs) see ya. He keeps going. A little bit later, a Levite comes by who is really uh, uh, the Jewish helper for the temple priests. So basically, we got two religious guys that just kind of kept on walking. They ignored this guy. Now, before we get off these two, I don't want to be too hard on them for a minute because here's the thing. In Jewish law, you were forbidden from touching a dead body. Okay, so maybe they thought he was dead right? So we're kind of maybe let them off the hook for a minute. But here's the problem with that thinking. They never got close enough to really determine if he was really dead. So it wasn't worth their time, energy, fear factor, whatever you want to say to even go find out if he was dead. They just kind of say, he kind of looks dead. Maybe I'm just going to keep going. Now we don't know exactly. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe they just didn't want to take the time. Maybe they saw that he was a Samaritan, and being two Jewish leaders, Jews and Samaritans, we've talked about this in the past, hated each other, right? Maybe they just said, eh, God's a Samaritan. Whether he's dead or not, I'm not stopping. I'm, I'm, I'm on, okay? Maybe they were afraid for their own safety, right? They saw this guy had been beaten up left for dead, and maybe they were thinking, hey, maybe the robbers are still around. Maybe my own safety is in jeopardy. Maybe they had a schedule to keep. Maybe they just weren't interruptible. Pause in the story here. What are some reasons we choose not to serve other people? Something to think about. Something to think about. But here we come in verse 33, and we see the Samaritan traveling on the same road. Now, remember, Jesus was having this conversation with a Jewish lawyer who was pretty much full of himself, okay? If we're being honest, if we read between the lines in the story, he thought he knew the law. He thought he was going to justify himself by living out the law the way he thought it ought to be lived out, and he certainly had no time or inclination to care about a Samaritan. So it's interesting that Jesus uses a Samaritan as the hero of our story. He was trying to make a point, right? You see, these two cities were predominantly Jewish, right? Jerusalem and Jericho. So most of the people traveling on that road would have been Jewish. But this made it 
particularly dangerous then if you were a Samaritan, right? Because knowing that most of the people on the road you would encounter are going to be your enemy, uh, that would be a, a very difficult journey to want to take. That's because there was a very real danger of a Samaritan being hurt or injured or killed on this road because most of the people that he would encounter would be Jewish. They hated each other, both. And yet Jesus uses this man to show how to overcome prejudice, how to overcome your own fears, how to overcome your own perspectives, right? You see, if you'll notice the Samaritan's kindness did cost him some things, right? First of all, it cost him his time, right? I'm sure he had an agenda. In fact, we know he had an agenda because he later, even once he rescued him, said, I I got some ways to go. I'll come back and check on him tomorrow. So number one, we knew the Samaritan gave up some of his time. He clearly had to be somewhere. But yet he took the time because of a compassionate heart. He had a servant's heart to be interruptible. And to say, yeah, I have an agenda, but I also have someone in front of me that needs my help, that needs serving. He simply saw another human being that was in need, and he took the opportunity to meet that need. The Samaritan risked his own life to help somebody else. Secondly, the Samaritan certainly gave up some money, right? Says he paid for his time in the inn, bandage him up if there's any other costs. He gave him two denarii, which basically equaled about two days' worth of wages, right? So you and I, two days' worth of wages, start doing the numbers on that. That's not an insignificant amount of, of money he gave up. And the Samaritan was busy. Again, we knew because he had a schedule to keep, so he didn't let that stop, though. He didn't let that stop him from serving. You see, it's impossible to serve without humility. The end of the day, this Samaritan showed humility. This is an enemy to him more than likely. And we don't know the ethnicity of this man, but more than likely the injured man was Jewish, more than likely, right? And yet this Samaritan took the time to do that. He got, he got over himself. (laughs) He had humility, right? And so the Samaritan was thinking less of himself than he was the need of the person. And that's really the definition of humility, right? It's not, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's simply thinking of yourself less. You see the distinction there, right? That's the definition of, of humility, right? So, you know, you can be concerned about yourself. You just do it less often. <laughs> that's humility. Now, Here's the deal. Jesus ends the story in his usual Jesus way. Remember, Jesus never asks a question that he doesn't already know the answer to, right? So he asks the man, well, based on the story I just told you, which of the three proved to be? Not who said to be, who proved to be the neighbor to the man? The one who showed him mercy was the religious man's answer. He, he had no choice but to answer. It was so obvious at this point. Jesus was making it so obvious that, yeah, you can say all you want, but what you do shows your heart at the end of the day. And in that aha moment, he got the man to see, oh, okay, that's what servanthood looks like. 
That's what servanthood looks like. So you see what he was doing here, he was trying to help change the man's perspective, right? This Jewish lawyer's perspective of what it means to serve and who his neighbor really is, right? That's what he was trying to do. The point was he was trying to help him get over his own prejudice. And sometimes when we serve people, we have to get over our own prejudice, don't we? We have to get over our own perspective, our own point of view, the way we think things should be going. Or the, or the favorite, what we think someone should be doing. Come on now. How many times are we missing opportunities to serve others because we can't get over ourselves? Come on. Well, well, if they would just, if they, 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 no. Wait a minute. They were created by God. That person you're saying they about, how about getting to challenge your own prejudice first, your own perspective on things, and not using that as a reason not to love people, not to serve people, not to help people. Come on. You know, the, the, the Jewish people of that day started with Ten Commandments, and they got out to over 600 laws really quick. <laughs> Right, because they kept putting their own spin. Okay, well, I th- oh, we need to do this, thinking they were helping God. Okay, come on now. And Jesus really made it clear. And the Jewish lawyer even knew it, though. He answered the right question. He goes, really, there's only two things, love God and love people. Right? Jesus was just reminding everybody of that in this story as well. And yet it took a Samaritan, not a Jew, to actually show how to do that. Something, you know, this, this Jewish man showed what loving and serving, or excuse me, this Samaritan man showed what loving and serving really looked like. And this challenged the Jewish leader to change or, or look at his own perspective, his own prejudice. So instead of looking down on the Samaritan, the only conclusion that the Jewish leader could now come to is that's what service looks like. That's what servanthood looks like. You see, servanthood does help us get over our own prejudices, our own challenges, our own paradigms, our own way of thinking. That's one reason why serving is so important. Let's look at the next side of the equation. I wonder how this service impacted the man who received the serving. I wonder what his perspective on things was, because that's the second thing that service does or a culture of servanthood does, is it helps change the perspective of others about what God looks like in terms of seeing that played out in your service to them. wonder what his perspective was. Why is this Samaritan taking the time, this, again, more than likely an enemy of his, why is he taking the time to serve me, to love me? I wonder if that started to change his perspective. Matthew 5.16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Come on. When you serve, you become a light for God that others can see. Jesus himself said it's not on the board. Go look it up. Jesus first said, I'm the light of the world. And then Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That's what he's talking about. When we serve others, it, it opens up a perspective 
to them that maybe they haven't seen before about how God loves them and how God may be using you to love them and serve them. It changes others' perspectives. And even if this injured man was not a Jew, whether he was or not, this experience had to have impacted him, had to have impacted him. I want to go back to the first question I asked you. What did it make you feel like the last time somebody served you? How did you feel? That's, that's how this man probably felt. And this, even to an nth degree, literally this Samaritan saved his life, right? He didn't just, I mean, you know, nothing wrong with this. I mean, he didn't bring him over a TV dinner. That, that, that's great. It's a beautiful way to serve somebody. But let's be honest. I mean, this, li- this person literally saved his life. When's the last time someone saved your life in some way? Through a phone call, through a listening ear? That same thing you experience is what other people can experience when you are that for them. Very, very important. This is what Jesus said about serving others. Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40. says, For when I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them truly. I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. That's what servanthood looks like. When we show up at the food pantry every month, that's what servanthood looks like. When we have people over here loving our kids, serving them, being with them, ministering to them, that's what servanthood looks like. When we have a a worship team and a tech team that work and practice and diligently invite the Holy Spirit to be here in worship. That's what servanthood looks like. When Karen and I have an emergency and we have to be out of town for a couple days and Crystal comes here and lets people into the building so we can get our air conditioning fixed so the kids wouldn't be hot today, that's what servanthood looks like. In countless other ways that everybody in this room at one time or another has stepped up and served. Number one, we appreciate it, but let me tell you what, Jesus knows it. He sees it. That's the reason to serve is because you have a Savior that sees everything that you do. And he loves you for it. Not because of it. Just just hear me now. But he, he loves you. But he loves to see you serve. He loves to see you serve because it reveals your heart. And God is always about the heart. He is always about the heart. JP, if, if you'll come. The last point 
that we see in this story that 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 I want to just continue on, really. It's a continuation of what we were just talking about. Is that when we serve, it reminds us of the Savior that serves us. When we serve, it's a reminder of the Savior that serves, that has served us and to this day continues to serve us. It's a reminder of that. You see, the fact that Jesus took the time to even have the conversation with this guy shows his love for him. He could have just let that Jewish lawyer stay in his ignorance, to be honest with you. He could have said, "Ah, this guy doesn't have it right. You know, hopefully he'll figure it out. No, Jesus didn't do it. Even Jesus knew his motives. The guy's motives weren't all that great. Okay, come on now. But he loved him enough to get past his motives, to get past, you know, any of that stuff. He said, no, I'm going to help set this guy straight, and I'm going to do it in love. I'm going to do it by showing him, not just telling him. I'm going to show him what real servanthood looks like. Jesus loved him enough to serve him in that way. He took the time to take this self-righteous dude on a journey to truth. Jesus loved him enough to do that. Jesus stopped what he was doing. Clearly, he was probably involved in something else to answer this guy's question. You know, a humble heart that's ready to ask, what do you need? How can I help? That's, that's the kind of heart that our Savior has for us. Philippians 2 verse 4 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You see, Jesus performed the ultimate act of service when he died for you and I on that cross. Romans 5.8 says that God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, still sinners, not, not cleaned up, not good to go, all right, got all my life in order now, Jesus said he'll die for you, no. He died for us still in our sin. What a beautiful, what a beautiful Savior we serve. Who showed us by his very life what it looks like to really serve. Remember the Last Supper? He gave us that beautiful example. He washed the feet of every one of his disciples. And Peter said, no, Lord, I can't let you do that. And Jesus said, yes, yes, you can. Not only can you, but you're going to let me because I want to show you what real service looks like. Jesus exhibited true humility. He showed us in that moment what it looks like to serve and ultimately by giving his life for your sin and for my sin on that cross. As we think about creating a culture of servanthood, let's remember that service, first of all, changes our perspective. It changes how we look at things. Secondly, remember that service changes the perspective of others. It helps them see Jesus in you and how you serve them. And lastly, as we think about living 
a life of service, having that culture in our own heart, our own mind, and then in this church, that service is always about a reminder about the Savior who has served us and the example that he set about what that looks like. Will you just close your eyes and pray with me now? You know, God, you looked at us and were moved with so much love for us that you gave us a Savior. God, we know that all you really want is a relationship with us. A relationship that shows us how much you love us and that we respond with how much we love you. And God, you gave up your only son to show us what love really looks like. Jesus, a perfect, loving man who showed nothing but kindness and yet was tortured and given up for death. Death on a cross preceded by a walk of shame, humiliation, and hatred. You know, God, we know that none of us really has it all figured out. We're all broken in some way or another. And God, there's some of us here today that just need Jesus. We need him so desperately. We're hurting. We're needing his love. We're needing his forgiveness. Father God, will you just minister to us now? We can't walk it out by ourselves, but with your help we can. Father, we thank you that Jesus took our guilt and literally left it there on the cross because he paid the price for it. Now, I wonder if there's anyone here today that's holding on to any hurt or bitterness or something that really just needs to be let go. You know, Isaiah chapter 53 tells us that Jesus died for our iniquities. And iniquities is just another word for pain, guilt, shame, and sin. All those things that cause us to hurt. And Jesus died on the cross to take that hurt, to take those addictions, to take our anger and our bitterness. Whatever our iniquity is, Jesus took care of it on that cross. Will you leave that today at his feet? Just leave those things at his feet. You know, maybe there's someone here that's never asked Jesus to do that for them. Or maybe some of us here, it's been a long time since we've asked Jesus to do that. So whether you've prayed that prayer before or maybe today for the first time, would you just join me right now in repeating this? Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I ask you, God, to forgive me, wash me clean, come into my heart. Today, I make you the Lord and the Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.